0: This is Funny Minds, and I'm your host, Lynn B, and this is my co-host.
1: And we're best, Mr. John Bukowski.
0: Yes, today we have Dr. John Bukowski on our show. Yes, (laughs) doctor.
2: Just Just don't call me late for supper.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're you're a veterinarian, you're you're um health researcher, you've written a novel, it's a thriller. And it's called Project Suicide, which we're going to get into. And you have so many different hobbies that we're going to get into. You're a very eclectic man.
2: You're a man just like me, John. Yeah. I'd <laughs> I I like, like to think among fiction authors, I may be the most overeducated in the country.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you probably <That's> right.
0: <laughs> so tell us what, what, you know, what, why did you, you know, a veterinarian, a health researcher, what brought you into writing
2: this book? Um, actually, I have two books. Uh, oh, okay. The one that just came out is called Checkout Time. That's another thriller. We can talk about that in a minute. Ooh.
0: Okay. All right, that's, that's good. good.
2: But uh, no, my uh, my background is unusual for fiction writers. I uh, was pretty focused on science when I was first going to school. I have to pet my dog here because he's lonely. Okay.
1: I, I um, Believe me, I know. I'm with you.
2: Yeah, so I was uh, working toward a veterinary degree, a bachelor's in science. I got a veterinary degree. Mm-hmm. And I practiced in southeast Michigan, or Detroit area, for about seven years. And there was something about having to do all those euthanasias and make life and death decisions all the time that made me want to switch. Mm-hmm. And
3: okay.
2: so I had went and got a master's and a Ph.D. in public health epidemiology. Which, uh, thanks to COVID, a lot of people now uh-huh. means means uh, it's a disease detective, not a skin doctor.
0: Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> or a butt doctor.
0: We'll <laughs> get that clarified right off the bat. Oh, down. that's great.
2: <laughs> uh, so I did that for about 15 years. And I noticed over my career, I was uh, writing more and researching less both my people I worked for, either in government or industry. So I had a gift for writing, and I enjoyed it. I uh, grew up reading a lot of books, a lot of uh, fiction books. Uh, My parents really pushed reading, and spent many uh, afternoon in the summer in Detroit in the library where it was air-conditioned reading. Okay. those were my, some of my favorite electives in college were things like history and English. So uh, I said, "Well, why not go into leave the corporate grind and go into freelance medical writing technical writing?" And so I did that. I worked with my uh my wife's company. She's a medical editor.
0: Mm-hmm. And, oh, interesting.
2: Wow. Yeah, did that until she's also Perfect. a librarian, also left uh practice, and uh I did that was going well until about 2008, 2009, when the Great Recession hit. Mm -hmm. Right, yes. Mm -hmm. A lot of clients for freelancers dried up. Mm -hmm. So I had the gift of time, and I always wanted to write a novel. And, I mean, what writer doesn't want to write the great American novel? I mean, we all do. Honestly, if, it, if, it's something
0: that, if it's something
2: that you really desire to do, you really want
0: to do it, like, um, you yeah. know, no holds barred. You just do it. Let so it out. I,
2: I wrote it. It's still on my computer somewhere. Um, it's what <laughs> came uh, a trunk novel. And, uh-huh. But it got me hooked. So even when business picked up, I kept writing short stories and working on other books. And uh I started doing that two full time about 2016, 2017. And okay. in 2022, my first one, Project Suicide, and I'll show the cover for that one. Wow was
3: by Pathfinder Press out of Indiana.
2: Uh-huh. And uh, it we went from there. So I'm enjoying it. So, what was the uh, book uh, about? And, and you know, how did you get the idea? Project Suicide. Um, I'll tell you the little what they call the log line or elevator pitch, what you say if, you, if Steven Spielberg is in the elevator with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. You say it's a, uh, the story of how a cure for Alzheimer's is perverted into an assassination drug. Now, high-profile politicians are killing themselves, and only a drunken genius can save the country. Wow. And uh, and
0: what were you smoking when you wrote this book? <laughs> I, got,
2: I got the idea of uh, visiting my father-in-law. He passed away a few years ago. Mm-hmm. He had dementia, not Alzheimer's, but a form of dementia.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: And I would visit him every week. And I thought, you know, it's very sad to see a man who was a brilliant engineer for Ford Motor Company for for 30 years uh get Aww, to the, he didn't yeah. know what kind of day it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He couldn't tell day from evening by just looking outside, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I thought, you know, I know they're working on a cure for it. And mm-hmm. this is big for fiction writers is the what if. Yeah. Right, right. Your police chief is afraid of the water and a killer shark is terrorizing the community. You know, you've got... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my
3: favorite movie ever.
2: Then, the dinosaur, you know, you got Jurassic Park. So <laughs> what if there was a cure, but it had side effects? Now, side effects with, with COVID, side effects have been a big thing in people's minds. And right. uh, certainly uh uh, Alzheimer's disease and other forms of dementia are on the public mind. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, what if it had a, a, a side effect? What could the side effect be? And it, kind of the blue, it came to me that why, how about the side effect of the drug is it makes people commit suicide. It links next to a gene for self-preservation, which I made up. and uh, okay. And it turns that gene off so that As people are getting their their sense of self back, they also get a sense of self loathing, and they Mm. commit suicide. But then the big what if was, what if you gave it to somebody who didn't have dementia? Well, they would commit suicide because it would still link to the gene. Mm -hmm. I thought, wow, that's an assassin's dream. You you're not involved at all. They kill themselves. Exactly. Exactly. and that's how I came up with the idea.
0: And then you found the drunk as the hero.
2: right. I had to have a a, a hero who was <laughs> who was brilliant. But was he, he
0: down? Was he down at McFinney's bar?
2: <laughs> well, well, actually, the book starts off. he is being uh, arraigned on a drunk and disorderly charge in night court in Cleveland, Ohio, and a big shot from Homeland Security bails him out because they need him. Uh, because this project suicide, that uh, was this was this assassination drug, he was one of the lead investigators on it, and they need him wow. to back and uh, you know find the cure and that kind of thing. So I'll yeah. tell you
1: what, that's interesting. Honestly, it's fantastic, and I'm shocked that there, there's no one biting your tail to uh, make it
0: a uh, movie but, out of it.
1: Or a series, because I think it would be be better better as a series. I think, you know, six parts or something like that to develop
2: how you get there. If Steven Spielberg or somebody is out there, I work for cheaper than uh, uh, James Patterson.
0: (laughs) Have you tried to sell the rights to the book to make it a movie or something?
2: I I would love to do that, but you know, all you can do is get it out there as much as you can. Um, Yeah, yeah. If if you guys have an in with any Hollywood producers or screenwriters... Well, obviously we're going to be peddling it to our our, our listeners
1: and um, encourage everybody to not only listen to the episode, but find you and find this. Right. And and,
2: And and buy the
0: book. Because
2: it's all a numbers game. It's, it's, the easy, game. it's the easiest book to get a hold of because it's it's through Ingram, it's on all the major uh Barnes and Noble right. and those things. But if you want it on Amazon, you just type in Project Suicide all one word. And I'm gonna repeat that. Project suicide.com. Project suicide All one word.
0: word. Wait, there's something else.
1: novel.com. Wait, what was Project it?
2: Suicidenovel.com. Project Suicide Novel. Dot .com. And that will take you directly to the book.
0: Okay. All right.
2: It's available. Yes, because I we, we want people, people to get out there and buy it, check it out and,
1: and um, uh, you know, I think more, more so these days, people are looking for something riveting to listen to. They're, they're doing a lot of audio books right. these days right. and right. everything else that um, a good fiction like this would be perfect
0: well do you, you belong know? to LinkedIn? Well, linkedin that's how
2: you found them what what was the news
0: no, the... on apple do you belong uh, to linkedin
2: uh linkedin yeah
0: okay because there's if you go if you belong to the tv and entertainment and all those groups you can make a lot of good friends because I wrote a book myself too and I'm gonna put I am gonna put um something together. It's porn. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. But um you have you you have to put something together to go out to all of these guys to see if they like the idea, if you know Okay, if I they think could the use it, but I like I like the whole idea of your book. I mean, super
1: incredible! I'm not a big sci-fi guy, uh, you know. I I was old school '80s, you know, original Star Wars, um, uh, you know, all the early series, Superman, you oh know, in God. the '70s and stuff like that. And then as sci-fi grew and and fiction grew. Um, there was so much out there, and it just overwhelmed me. But what your your idea and your concept and your story is super, super, super cool. Yeah, and I could see it as like a six or seven part of, series.
2: It's kind of techno thriller, kind of like Michael Crichton or Robin Cook, and okay. yes, beautiful background as well. And uh, it's not too technical. Uh, I like to tell people that don't be afraid of the science behind it because the science is basically just the hook mm-hmm, we give right. enough, We give enough truth so that when I slip you the b s uh, you're still gonna follow it. You're gonna believe it. It's like exactly. you have to give people just enough truth so that they buy into the premise and then yes. you got it. And exactly the
3: exactly. The science
2: behind it. The story is, is the ch- the chase, the interactions between uh Deacon Creel, my my uh uh flawed hero, and uh Amy Robbins, his aide-de-camp, and all the other people involved in the Project Suicide bit. Well, well now, your new book
0: is that a sequel or it's totally
2: no, it's not a sequel, it's different. I'll put it up here. It's called Checkout Time. Oh yeah. I like that cover, just from the I do too. It's a a shadowy figure. I mean, it's super cool. With fire behind him. And the reason is because a extortion bomber, Mm -hmm. known mysteriously by the pseudonym Conrad Hilton, Mm -hmm. is trying to make make a killing from a group, group of hotel owners. And he's not above killing to make his point. No a way. beautiful. Um, BIA. See, again,
1: again, seven-part series. This is so <laughs> good. Well, <laughs> you're 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 putting it down on paper, but it is so good. If you really put your mind behind it, you could project it to a, to the screen, no problem.
0: It's really. I mean, really the writing. Good. Is good. I want to hear more uh, of it. Yeah, him. please.
2: Yeah. My gosh, yeah so. A beautiful FBI agent and a handsome government researcher pursue him until Conrad turns the tables and the hunters become the hunted. Oh, yeah. So we've got a little bit of that. And the way I came up with the idea for this, there's a couple of things. About probably back in my research career, I was on a business trip and I was on the fourth floor of a hotel and I looked up at the ceiling and there was a trap door. I'm sure it was to to do maintenance on the duct work on the electric. <laughs> uh-huh. I thought, huh? You could put something up there.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, what if? What would, What could you put up there? Well, if you put up like uh, uh, espionage, uh, uh, microfilm secrets. Well, then you'd have a spy thriller. If you put up uh, mob money. And some guy stumbled upon it, it fell down at his feet. Mm-hmm. And you'd have a crime thriller, you know, the mob chasing someone. Or if they hid drugs in the cartel right. mm-hmm. story. Yeah. You know. For me, my go-to thing was to put a bomb up there.
3: Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, listen, why not?
2: <laughs> and one <of> the <laughs> you know, if it goes wrong, it goes wrong really quick. <laughs> one of the reasons is that I'm I grew up a bit of a pyromaniac. I <laughs> made fireworks, I made my own gunpowder things like that. Oh,
1: oh wow. I'm going to hire you as <laughs> and, my payroll um, guy for my, my shows, my concerts.
2: Yeah, I had the hearing loss to prove it. But, uh, <laughs> oh, no. But uh, the, uh, so that's where I came up with putting a bomb up there. Well, what's the point of putting a bomb up there? Mm-hmm. Well, there was a movie that I loved in the 70s, a thriller, called Roller Coaster. Not many do yes. you Yes, yes. I don't yeah, remember. Yes, uh, I remember that. George, George Siegel and stuff. Yeah, it's a great yeah. it's a fast-paced thriller and yeah. there's a shadowy figure who uh, basically is extorting amusement parks. He would put bombs on the roller coaster. Right, he would put uh, bombs uh, on. Oh, oh, yeah, I, I, I don't remember. the bombs. So that was for me there was a connection. Okay, instead of entertainment, we'll make it hotels and that's that's how that one came together.
0: There was and, a who done it.
1: So basically, you're you're a psycho, right? Who's yeah. um, <laughs> able to oh, <laughs> well, write?
0: No, you haven't. Me.
1: he's no, got a
0: great creative mind, and
1: I love it. And I, you know that movie, and I love that movie.
2: Yeah, and it was it, was, it was so fun.
1: weird that you mentioned it
2: because yeah, it was fun doing. Actually, so I'm yeah. going to talk about it on the, I forget the name of it, real. Real something podcast. Uh, probably it's I'm going to do the interview in about a week, but uh-huh. uh, we're going to talk about specifically last last year we talked about the movie uh, Three Days of the Condor. This year we're going to that about was a good
0: movie,
2: yeah. I actually had a lot of fun doing the research for Checkout Time, uh, because you know, with a guy like me, a pyro, I get to look up how you make napalm at home. How you make plastic <laughs> explosive thermite. Uh and I often wondered if the FBI has been watching my my uh search. Probably.
3: Probably.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. You gotta keep a
0: track. Well, of he hasn't done anything, but we we're him. yeah, Big Brothers watching you.
2: Actually, I I I actually had a uh uh other another fun part of the research was actually uh involve the FBI. The uh the action takes place primarily between Southern Ohio and Eastern Tennessee. And that's an area I know real well, write what you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because we have a place in uh, near Knoxville and we have another place in Dayton, Ohio. So I drive that corridor a lot, up down I-75. Yep. And uh, I knew that there would be two FBI field offices. For those of you who don't know, the FBI field office is kind of like the regional headquarters uh they have field offices in not every state but many states and then they have little tiny things that they call uh uh what the hell do they call them
3: they're almost uh, like
2: substations yeah yeah they're they're, they're like you that. know yeah. resident agencies which are scattered yeah, like they they can all go in there if they need to and do whatever they need to they do know, the, uh, the yeah the work their work, yep. their work. And so I figured, you know, I could write about these field offices, Knoxville and Cincinnati. We've all seen Silence of the Lambs and TV. Mm-hmm. Oh God, yeah. And so you kind of get an idea of what the, you know, the, the reader already kind of knows or thinks they know what the FBI looks like, what inside the government building looks like. And you right. can fly with that. But I thought it'd be a nice touch if I could actually see inside. Mm contacted both the PR people for both field offices and the Cincinnati people said you know I asked can I get a tour and Cincinnati said no no the special agent in charge decides whether or not they allow that and the special agent in charge and by the way they're all special agents it's not agents and special agents they're all special agents one's the the field office is the special agent in charge (laughs) special agent in charge said no so I contacted Knoxville and they said, Sure, when do you want to do it? <laughs> and, Bring uh, an acoustic. Right. So 2018, I think it was, or was it 17? 2018, I think. Um, I had a, in the summer, I had a one hour tour of the Knoxville FBI field office. I met the special agent in charge, very nice woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I asked a lot of questions for the PR people, talked to the armorer saw where prisoners are brought in for interrogation, saw the big uh, rooms with all the TV screens when there's a breaking story that they're mm-hmm. that,
3: oh, wow. in
2: crisis mode where they go and see all the different screens sure. and all the news agencies and stuff. And so that was a lot of fun. And I put bits of that into checkout time. So if somebody sees something, they say, I didn't know that about, a, about uh, FBI field office. It's probably true.
3: Wow,
1: well, super that's cool.
2: Interesting. And it's, it's not something that people
1: typically take advantage of, uh, you know, even though you can do it. Right. Um, even like ride-alongs with deputies, exactly. whether they're FBI or whatever. Like, I, I, you know, being down here in Tampa, I have a lot of my good friends who deputies and have been for many years. And uh, they would always joke, like, hey, I'm going to do a ride-along with you because I want to bust their balls, you know. Um, and they were like, well, it doesn't work that way. You know, you have to put it in, and then they have to choose you to do it, and then you have to go with who they – you know, but just to see, you know, a day in the life of what they deal with in FBI it's- is a whole different ball game, And even just to see their barracks and and, you know, or their –
2: Yep. Their habitat there is super phenomenal. Well, that's that's the thing, you know. I I do a I do a workshop on doing research in fiction writing. I'm going to be doing it at uh, the Imaginarian Conference in Louisville in July.
1: Oh, good.
3: No,
2: no, no, it's Louisville. <laughs> Louisville. Louisville. And uh, I tell people, you know since the advent of google and wikipedia and the internet research has become a whole lot easier you don't have to actually oh, yeah. the yeah. see the physical the most part. part you can see what businesses are around it the traffic patterns everything mm-hmm. online so you know you can really it's really made the fiction writers world a lot easier but sure. Old, sure. old school can still be very good you know mm-hmm. talking to a librarian and getting getting references, doing a ride-along, visiting an epic right. office, things like that, can add a nice little touch of flavor, which other fiction writers maybe don't have.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, on the fringe of, um, what, you know, like method acting, method right. acting, where they, they, you know, you want to be a garbage man, you go in the garbage truck for a day and see what right. they do. You know, it's like a day in the life so that, that you can have a better... Understanding. understanding and vision of what mm-hmm. they really,
2: truly see and deal with, right? no Get matter what the
1: it. profession is.
2: That's why they always say, and it's, a, it's an adage, it's an old chestnut, write what you know. You know, if you're a lawyer and you write courtroom dramas, it's going to have an authenticity that a plumber writing it probably can't match. Right, exactly. exactly. I think exactly. A plumber yeah. can't do it, but he's going to have to do a lot of research. Right, right. Uh, That's why Robin Cook, who was a physician, um, Mm -hmm. Michael Crichton physician, wrote medical thrillers or technical thrillers. Right. They already have a lot of the research done for them. So doing Project Suicide was right in my my wheelhouse. I mean, I had to look up the genetics, but I knew where to look. I knew how to play with it, Mm -hmm. how to fudge things so it sounds believable, even where it's not. And I tell people, I even have a forward in the book. You know, some of it's real science, some of it's BS. I'll let you decide, you know. And, are you,
0: this is your newest, this is your newest book, okay. Are you starting, are the wheels turning for you for a third novel?
2: Well, I'm actually writing a sequel to Project Suicide. I'm about two. Ah, there we go. Uh Okay. through a first draft of that I have an idea for a sequel for checkout time
0: mm-hmm. okay
2: and I've got some other books that I'm uh, I'm peddling to uh publishers and agents and things like that uh one is more of a lifetime kind of movie kind of thing it's not really a thriller mm-hmm. at all experimenting with that and uh so yeah I'm always working on something and that's and that's the thing even when you've you've finished a draft the creative of- juices are there Right. When you say you've written a book and it took you six months to do a first mm-hmm. draft, which is mm-hmm. which is a reasonable amount of time, right? Four months to a year in that area. So you don't really re- start revising it right away because it's too fresh. You know, it's too. Yeah. In- and you let it sit, and then you'll go back and look at it with new eyes, and you'll probably mm-hmm. do five or six times. So you've got a lot of downtime. So there's short stories get written, other books get worked on. You're revising something for another for another book. You know. It's- you know it.
1: It really plays true to not only writing books, but writing anything. Like Absolutely. when I would write comedy, I would come up with ideas and write them down at three o'clock in the morning, and then wake up the next day and read them and be like was i thinking like it wasn't funny you know like so you you revisit it right and it doesn't have the same impact as you thought it had and and i'm sure that's the same thing when you're writing a novel or you know a fiction novel Mm. you know you you have ideas you have a direction you have concepts and a story per se and then you get into something and you go back and you go oh what the fuck was i thinking Oh you can
2: choose. I I have people ask me, do you need do I need to hire an editor, for example? Say somebody's gonna sell. Do Mm -hmm. I need to hire an editor? I go, absolutely, because oh yeah. You even if you're you think you're a good editor or good at revising your own stuff, you can never see it the way the reader sees it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. You I had I, I, I had the do my book
2: too, the whole nine I, yards if and had do have everything. Off, get, let your eyes rest from it. Then mm-hmm. uh-huh. it somewhat, but you're still never gonna see it the way the reader does, because the story is in your head and you're filling right. and things like that that the reader doesn't necessarily do. So and, and my,
0: grammatically, yeah. grammatically they're making a lot of changes, or so they're asking you. What are you trying to get across here? You know, and and you go back and
2: forth, and it's. I I have a a tendency to do too many similes, and Mm -hmm. my editor says most of them are pretty good. They're original. Mm -hmm. Goes, but you don't need this many. (laughs) Right, right. It's things like that. Saying you know this gets to be a bit much. For gets repetitive. This slows the. the the narrative and isn't really needed. It's know? like
1: having a a record producer. Like you're writing an album and you have someone in there trying to cut and paste and make sense right. of everything you're trying to parlay to make sense to the public and you know and they see things that you don't see. Absolutely. And that's and the thing is, you know, when you're writing is you have people like editors that see things that you don't see or expect things you don't write or whatever.
0: Or they're giving you, they're giving you Just, advice on, uh, on different paragraphs. criticism yeah.
1: on how to maybe drag this in this direction, because we think this would be more of a, a hot button in a seller. I mean, it goes and it depends on what you're writing on, obviously.
2: But
0: um, but you do need it. You yeah. do need anybody. So. Wait, it's.
2: Uh, oh it, yeah, editors. I always say people's relationship with their editor is kind of like a relationship with a physical therapist. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. No, you're
3: right. You're right. Don't
2: but, bend my elbow back. Yeah. You love <laughs> their help, but you hate them for the pain they're putting you through by saying, <laughs> "But it's you know what's good for, for you." <laughs> the
0: the girl i had was wonderful she was absolutely wonderful and um <clears throat> unfortunately i want to do a series of children's books now and she doesn't handle that but she gave me another name um to use but um i i don't know what i where i would be without her i mean she was just so incredible
1: you need you need uh coaching in, in that realm i mean no one's a natural um writer, publisher. It's like you, you just have these urges, these these ideas, and this passion to get it out. And then you have people that are truly in place to help steer you in the direction you want to go. Really? And you have to weed out who is <laughs> seriously in that direction that can do this, and who is tra- trying to drive me down in the gutter and take my money. You know, like like records, like when you make records or whatever you do creatively, you have to always be careful of who you align yourself with right. and are they on your <laughs> site, or are they just yeah, there exactly.
0: for money? And,
2: and, and you know. people, people will fall for that because it's a big expense. Yes. Yeah. You get a good editor, say, for a 300-page novel, that's right. like $4,000 to have them mm-hmm. edit your book. Well, people will say, well, I got somebody who says they'll do it for $350. Well, mm-hmm. they're not going to do a good job. No. And cheap
0: isn't always they, good, and good isn't always cheap. <laughs> well,
1: it, it, you know, in, in, the, in the realm of, uh, you know, editing books and, and, and that business, people have already made their bones. They've already made their names. So anybody who is anything in that business already has something to show to you. Mm-hmm. Just, like, just like music. If I was going to make an album and I needed a producer, I would have producers that would show me what they've done. You know, I wouldn't pull some guy out of, you know, left field. It would be someone who could show me what they've done. So it's the same thing. Right. And, uh, you know, it's just an (laughs) incredible outlet. And I'm really, I'm excited to, hey, I just hope you send me a copy. Mm -hmm. Honestly. I I sure no,
0: you have to buy your own copy. (laughs) <laughs> I, 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 I was trying to cut try deal, deal with you, man. man.
3: <laughs>
0: oh, he's got a lucky wrench in my whole game. Time. No, it's like us. We have to what? have the numbers. He's got I, to have the numbers. I, I what, I'll play I, guitar for free. I,
2: I, I'll send you guys an a signed author's copy of oh. Checkout Time. But you got to promise that you'll buy it for $3 in the Kindle so that when you do your review, it's an author, it's a, uh, a actual purchase review. I will do okay, it. I will, that's do deal.
1: We will do whatever you ask. <laughs> honestly. Whatever you, whatever, however you want us to do it, we will do it.
0: But now I want to ask you something else. Sure. Because you have a lot of different hobbies, like singing opera and
2: Oh, I was waiting for that.
0: Like, well, I did,
2: I, I did a lot of community theater. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Did you ever sing Asshole Amio? Uh, I actually don't know Asshole Amio. Uh, Asshole Amio. <laughs> La
3: Calunia,
2: which is from uh, the Barber of Seville. <laughs> La <laughs> Calunia en venticello. Oh, oh, but I that also think so much. nice. Oh, so you, you have serious balance. Stuff okay. like that. It's been fun. Uh, I don't do much of the community theater anymore, but I still like to sing and I sing at you know events and yeah. like that. Yeah, so
0: but but it says that you've done a movie and commercials. Have you done that?
2: Um, I, I don't think it says I've done movies. <laughs> I, I wish I'd done movies. Uh, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Have but, you done
2: commercials? <laughs> um, I've actually, I've done television interviews, and okay, things like that, but I haven't done a actual commercial. No,
0: no, okay.
2: That's you know, an interesting business. To be honest with, uh, with consumer you, consumer writing certainly. When I was in doing technical writing, handbook, mm-hmm. website content, and stuff like that. Uh, when I was with one company, I managed a bioterrorism website. No way. Yeah, so uh, oh. that was
0: perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. And I and I understand your dog, Alfie, is your wife.
2: Yeah, Alfie unfortunately passed away no. just, eight ago, just eight months ago, the 28th. Oh. So, uh, yeah, we're still missing him. But now we've got a new dog, a big uh, 85-pound Labradoodle. Oh, oh they're
0: nice.
2: They're nice. She's sleeping here next to me. I'll see if I can back that. action. Yeah,
0: no, they're really nice.
2: I, I love
3: oh, them. Oh.
0: <laughs> Thank
1: God. <laughs> I have a 12 pound uh King Charles Spaniel. Okay. And uh and she's basically my daughter. Um she <laughs>
2: literally she's a child. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So what was Alfie? What type of dog was Alfie?
2: Alfie Alfie was a uh, mixture, Uh, they called it a chiffon, which Mm -hmm. was half Brussels Griffon and half Shih Tzu. Oh, really? Uh, Oh,
0: that's interesting.
2: Yeah, he was a cute dog. Uh, Barry was my pal, lived to be 15, so it was a good run. Yeah, no, that that is good. Yeah, he, he got a pancreatic problem in September of last Aww. year. Put down. Yeah. Aww. That's a that's a downside.
1: I, I have tons of animals and um like basically a farm. Um, cause that's just the way I am. I have to have them. But uh, you know, eventually they go. You know, and yeah. it's tough. It's it's super
2: super tough. But they are members of the family, really. It's uh yes. absolutely yes. dog doesn't understand. <laughs> they
0: they just they yeah. become your children. I mean yeah. that that's how much you love them. You and that, and and that, was
2: your, that was your first love, correct? Was being being a uh, a bat. Yeah, I mean I had a I had a lot of first loves. Like I said, I loved reading, uh I, I loved science. Uh right. loved animals. And so that's basically been my 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 first part of my career, anyway, was right. uh, uh,
1: animals. Yeah, that's and... a serious commitment, I mean, to get yeah. to that level,
0: mm-hmm. you know.
1: That's tough, but I understand what you said about the euthanasia and, and, and euthanizing. And I, You know, I personally couldn't do that either. Like, I love the profession. I respect it and thank God for it because I have a bunch of
0: animals. But um, it's very difficult. to put them
1: down, I would not be able to do that.
0: I I had a, a golden. It would, it would ruin me. I had a golden retriever and I had her seventeen years, and she had a great life. She had a great life. She was a wonderful dog. She was my baby. She was, but in the end, um, I couldn't. I couldn't go. I my daughter took. Yeah. I just I couldn't do it. I couldn't
2: do it. The way you have to think about it is, it's a final kindness you can do.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I understood it was time. I mean, she couldn't even eat anymore. But yeah. but I have to say that dog <clears throat> was so wonderful that as sick as she was, she'd always let us know that she had to go out. We'd have to help her. Yeah. <coughs> you know, mm-hmm. pick her up, bring her out. <coughs> Excuse me.
2: Um, yeah, and that's, bring
0: that's her back in.
2: Her job, that, and uh, so much of what you do is... Has a life and death component to it, like doing surgeries mm. and like that. Yeah, and it's it's rather stressful. Plus, it I'm is. Gonna,
0: it is. Oh my god, is. I, <laughs> I cried, cried and cried. And
1: also, too, the veterinary uh, veterinarian profession. I mean, you don't have your traditional insurance.
2: You, no, it, it's
1: mostly pay to play, and people don't have money. And as a vet. A lot of people that I know have to do it pro bono because these people don't have the money, and these animals need to be taken care of, whether it be spayed or neutered, or euthanized, depend, you know, whatever.
2: Well, that's it, very tough. I worked at for about a year and a half when I was working in uh, Detroit area. I was what they call a relief vet.
3: Mm-hmm
2: thinking of going back to school in public health. And you basically, you, you don't work for any one practice. You work for any practice who's, as somebody sick or a guy wants to take two weeks to go skiing or whatever. Right, so right. you're filling. And uh, one of them was a farm practice, basically. It wasn't, I, I won't say it was a farm practice, it was rural, it was veterinary, mm-hmm. dust,
3: mm-hmm. medicine,
2: dogs and cats, but it was rural. And people would come in with statements like, you know, I've got twenty dollars, Doc. What can you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and you you learn to be kind of a uh a, a a quick diagnostician. What can I do without a lot of testing? And uh what are the you, you get very good at rule outs, they call them. What could yeah. it be based on what I'm seeing? And but again, you're guessing, and uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stress associated with that. You know it's because uh... well and, yeah. and there's also um
1: you know responsibility people they hold you responsible if if god forbid something went wrong like you know it it's hard it's tough yeah. i mean there, there's a lot of animals out there whether it be on a farm or just domestic and uh that are not taken care of well and it becomes a labor of love um most vets that I've I've known and seen, you know they do a majority of what they do pro bono. Well, good
0: for them. because I know, don't know any of that do. Just, just <laughs> out of out of
2: you know good faith for the animals, yeah. you know. Well, yeah, there's a certain amount of that. Like like you say though, it's you, 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 to stay in business, you can't really do that. No, no that
0: that's just that no. you can't. It's you can't. Uh, it's just like definitely not. You know, that's lawyers part. aren't gonna. And, you know, go to court for all the time, pro bono. They'll do one pro bono case uh, every six months or something. Yeah, I mean,
2: and you know, that's another part of the stress mm-hmm. of the job is you want to do things and you're constricted. Mm-hmm. And, you
0: and you can't.
2: And yeah. you know, uh, that's why i we become a, a skin doctor. I mean, a disease check. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, um, I I, I there's a little scene in checkout time. The uh, uh, my one of my main character Thomas Tomasinski, or as they call him Tom Tom, Tom Tom. Um, he first meets uh, the FBI agent Sally Butterworth in a bar, and he says that he's uh, he's gone into public health work. He's an epidemiologist, and she goes, "A oh, what? 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 What?" <laughs> <laughs> Because that's how a lot of people say
0: <laughs> that's funny <laughs> uh, well listen John
3: well,
1: I, it's, I'm it's, looking forward to the signed copy because I want to read this I mean I'm excited I love it I, I love the concept I love the I ideas do and uh,
2: I think oh, it's man, going to be yeah, a great story you send me you. A, uh, like I said you send me an email with an address yeah. And yeah. I, I'll send you one at least a pro- well, uh, uh, I, what do you want, Project Suicide or Checkout Time?
3: Okay. Check, I, I, I want Checkout Time.
2: Okay. okay. I'll send you Checkout Time, a signed copy. and yes. uh, You just have to promise to purchase the Kindle one for $3. Okay. And that way, when you do your review, and that's another thing I always like to tell people. I hope they read the book and like it. Mm-hmm. And but please you,
0: give, give a review.
2: Give yeah. a review on Amazon. It's very important. Very
0: important.
2: And then people know. Yes. All right. Well, you have my word. Okay.
0: So, John, it's Deal. been a, it's been a pleasure having you on. You are such an interesting man, and uh, pleasure is mine. Yeah, we, absolutely. We look forward to not only um, reading the books that you've already written, but um, the sequels. Wait. And I'm really gonna push a little bit. You know, when, oh, yes, uh,
3: absolutely. when we
0: advertise this, push a little bit for you to have these made into some kind of a. A movie, a sequel, yes. or something. Yes yes, something. yes, 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 yes,
2: yes, finder's fee if anything happens.
0: Okay, cool, we got that on, hey, we got that. From you New get West. a long
1: <laughs> discount card for 50 bucks. Hey, listen, it doesn't matter as long as it gets done. Exactly. I mean, that 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 would be fantastic. It would. It
0: would well, it. I'm going to say goodbye now, and I'm going to say uh, thank you again and to our audience. I know you're gonna love um, watching and listening to John, and everything he has to talk about. And I'm sure you're gonna be going very interested in going out to get his books too. And uh, if you would go on FunnyMinds.com, you will see that we have a store and we sell silly things that have Funny Minds on it, like my shirt. And we also have two organizations that we deal with, and and that is Women's Breast Cancer and St. Jude's Children's Hospital, and they have the big purple button. So if you're kind enough to donate to those organizations, we'd be very happy.
1: And this is John Bukowski.
0: Yes, John very Bukowski.
1: Nice. A fellow <laughs> <laughs> So polar.
2: I say... Are you a um, I My dad spoke perfect polish he learned he, it was kind of all of a of a lot. Lot. <laughs> my name because, is lidinski uh, None of us kids are...
0: <laughs> it was,
2: <laughs> it was.
0: <laughs> all right john i'm going so to say goodbye to everybody and be happy be healthy be wise smile and don't forget to laugh cuz laughter is the best medicine bye bye now
2: thanks guys
1: thank you